You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. I'm Caroline Hyde at Bloomberg's World Headquarters in New York. And I'm Ed Ludlow at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. This is a special edition of Bloomberg Technology. Coming up this hour, Tesla concerns they worsen as the automaker drops prices in China again. Investors call it a train wreck. Is it? Plus, competition against Tesla ramps up as Mercedes-Benz reveals plans to install thousands of EV ultra-fast charging stations globally. And Samsung posted a historic drop in profit as chip sales they plummet. We discussed the demand outlook with semiconductor giant Qualcomm. Its CEO Cristiano Amon joins us. But first and foremost, we get to those markets. And today was a day of macro, not micro. Today was a day of jobs data, of non-farm payrolls, showing that basically we've got a Goldilocks scenario when it comes to the Federal Reserve's eyeing of the jobs market. The S&P surged more than 2%, the Nasdaq having its best day in a month. And this is largely because we saw wage inflation. The pressure's there just dialed back somewhat. So still resilience in the job market, 232,000 jobs added. Even though we keep talking about those headlines in technology of job losses there, this is not featuring at a federal macro level and therefore we see a resilient job market but a cooling in inflationary pressures. Two-year yields absolutely dial back. Money pours in to the bond market as we think the Federal Reserve can take its foot off the gas when it comes to rate hikes. Let's flip it on again. Let's get into some of the micro moves because amid this joy in the market we see some of the big tech moves move higher. Apple was the biggest mover in terms of points. We're seeing up, well, 4.6 points up almost 4% but that really helped the benchmarks move to the upside. It's once again worth more than $2 trillion. First, solar getting a bid. This is in light of Wells Fargo saying it's one of their best ideas of 2023. The solar company surging more than 7.8%, one of the best performers on the S&P. And Biogen, I want to shine a light on some biotech for you today because the FDA giving it sped up approval of, of course, the Alzheimer's drug that Biogen is in partnership trying to tackle at the moment. So we're seeing up 2.8% end. But really, overall, we want to dial it back to what's happening in CES, what's happening on the floor, what's happening in terms of, well, the car story, really, that is upon everyone's lips. It really does feel like a car show rather than an electronic show, Ed. 
Yeah, it's day two here in Las Vegas and EVs are still top of mind. Not just the announcements, but actually everyone is paying attention to Tesla, raising a drop as, as much as 8% Friday. This is all about EV competition heating up in China, such an important market. Shares down after the company slashed prices for its cars in China for the second time in three months. And then you look at its rival, Berkshire Hathaway backs BYD, raising prices and posting record sales. I'm so pleased, Caroline, that Bloomberg's Kevin Tynan is alongside me here in Las Vegas. Of course, our Bloomberg Intelligence senior analyst for autos. Uh, you have a very clear view on this. This is a demand problem for Tesla, isn't it? Sure. Look, and, and globally, regionally, the auto industry is cyclical. And these EV makers, including Tesla, which is the oldest of all of them, just haven't been through this kind of demand dearth um, here or in China. Here, money was easy and cheap for years. Uh, so we went through this period where valuation goes through the roof because it's easy to afford vehicles. And this is the first time that these companies are really going to be challenged. I should say that Tesla closed up almost 3%. It was down almost yeah. 8% at one point. You know, the market's kind of making up its mind. But over the course of weeks, yeah. the downward pressure on the stock was about demand, it seems. Yeah. There's a competition angle. You know, you look at what Mercedes announced here, uh, you know, focus globally, but also the United States. In China, there are so many more players. Are investors kind of now waking up to the idea that Tesla is not the only game in town? I think so. And I think on top of that, I think the idea of EV adoption slowing is becoming a reality as well um, in terms of mining materials, who controls the materials, uh, increased in prices of the materials, uh, and then the real environmental impact of the technology providing the energy generation to power a fleet of electric vehicles. Like these are all things that through the period that is ending now really weren't talked about or considered as deeply as they are going to be now. Well said, and it's interesting that one of the co-founders of Tesla went off to try and think about how you can recycle batteries, how you can make that more of an environmentally friendly means of driving, Kevin. I'm interested that at the same time as worrying about Tesla, in China, while they're dialing back prices for Tesla, BYD just seems to be cleaning up. Of course, this is a company that's backed by the likes of Warren Buffett. How big is the pie getting of EV and how much is market share being eroded by other players in the space now? Yeah, look, and, and ideally, each of the regions, if you look at North America, you look at Europe, and you look at China, uh, the governments are essentially the wild card in terms of whether penalizing automakers for not doing more EV or subsidizing the losses. And here in North America, and U.S. specifically, you know, we don't, we're doing neither, right? We're, we're incentivizing the consumer with federal tax credits. Um, so you have a different demand profile and supply profile in each region based on how the government gets involved. And in China, you know, their push for adoption is much greater than it is even in Europe and certainly more than it is here. So um, you're just going to get this kind of demand profile that we don't know over here and that is being driven by penalties in Europe. All right, Bloomberg Intelligence's Kevin Tynan. So good to hang out and pick your brain here in Las Vegas. Thank you. In a few minutes' time, we're going to discuss the future of electric vehicles with Mercedes board member and CTO Marcus Schaefer.
Yeah, so much more to discuss there. And in fact, and as we dial back demand for autos, in fact, as we dial back demand well, for anything that involves a chip at the moment, semiconductors have been under some significant pressure. Just look at the quarterly profit coming from Samsung Electronics. It was its initial profit forecast. And in fact, it said it fell the most in more than a decade. Of course, it's all a bit of a sign of the global economic slowdown. And it's all hurting electronics demand even more than many had actually expected. Samsung's operating profit plunging 69%. Remember, this is the bellwether of South Korea. It's its largest company. And Samsung has kind of been grappling with weak demand for memory chips, smartphones dialing back, displays, of course, less in demand. It's all about what had been the pandemic ramp-up, Ed, and then this sudden dial back. We see it, whether it's the purchasing of these goods, and of course, in many ways, that's why we're seeing a reflection of people cutting jobs at these sorts of companies, too. The dynamic here is is fascinating. Yes, there's just a complete drop in demand for DRAM, right? Those memory chips. Also think about Apple, how difficult it was for Apple in the final month of 2022. The worries around demand for Apple handsets and how there was such a revision for the full year number. Well, remember, ironically, Apple is so important to Samsung's business as well from that memory perspective. So we're going to continue that conversation here in Las Vegas. Later this hour, we will discuss the chip outlook with Qualcomm's CEO, Chris Ciano Amoncaro, which is, you know, I can't wait because they are so key to that smartphone market as well. And he's actually managed to weather supply chain so well with the business and has remained pretty bullish throughout all of it. We'll see how he's talking about overall end demand at the moment. Meanwhile, coming up so much more to be talking about. We've got more on cars. As I kept saying, this is kind of an auto show as well as electronic show. We've got an exclusive conversation. Marcus Schaefer, Mercedes-Benz Group as the car maker launches efforts to expand their own electric vehicle strategy. But first, we've also got to talk about Ed wearable tech. It continues to be a top trend. I know you're seeing at CES, and it's only getting bigger, according to Aura CEO Tom Hale. Just have a listen to what he told Ed a little bit earlier in terms of the holiday season. We actually went into the Black Friday, Cyber Monday with a price increase, and we saw incredible unit volumes and incredible unit economics as a result. So we're actually bucking the trend, and I think that's part of a larger trend. Post-COVID, people are much more aware of their health, of their wellness, how they're feeling. We've got a mental health crisis amongst teens. We've got people really starting to think about longevity, and sleep is the foundation of all these things. And as a product, we've been spearing right into health. Right, we want to we want to extend from sleep into heart health. The American Heart Association just declared eight, you know, sort of key factors in health. Sleep is one of them. And if you're getting bad sleep, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna higher risk for cardiovascular issues, mental cognitive health, Alzheimer, Parkinson's. People are just much more aware of it now, and that's really the tail when they're driving it. Yeah, there might be short-term economic concerns, but what value is your health? Priceless. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. 
Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. I think 2022 was one of the best years in the car industry right. from the car makers' perspective. I think supply is still limited and demand is still exceeding supply. So I don't see 2023 as a challenging year from the automotive perspective. That was the CEO there of Mobileye. And here at CES Las Vegas, sustainability has been a big focus, not just for tech, but also companies as well at this year's CES. Luxury car maker Mercedes-Benz announcing plans to build a global network of ultra-fast chargers for EVs. The first stations this year in North America, later expanding to Europe and then China. And I'm delighted to say, Caroline, that here with more on the EV outlook from Mercedes-Benz is their chief technology officer, Marcus Schaefer. This is a real announcement. This is a real move by Mercedes to drive EV adoption, to drive electrification. Talk us through the timeline for rollout of this charging infrastructure. Well, this um, Mercedes-branded global charging infrastructure is complementing a roaming network which is currently existing uh, and consisting of one million uh, points. So it's a great addition to this network. The timeline to establish our own network globally in North America, Europe is starting 23 and completion actually is planned by 2027. My question is, why are you doing this? You know, you you have electric vehicle offerings in in key markets. Do you think that this will be a driver of sales for those legacy Mercedes buyers who want to go electric, but I guess are concerned about charging? Why are you doing this? Well, if you are an EV driver and you know all about the experience and all the shortcomings, range anxiety, but we want to provide to customers, to all Mercedes customers, a real premium experience. Do you feel that range anxiety is still an issue, though? Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, despite we offer probably the best ranges in class, so just look at the EQS, more than 400 miles of range, that's phenomenal. But still, looking at the market, I think still there's range anxiety. So to address this, we need a premium charging experience, and that's exactly what we're targeting. Let's look at some of your electric vehicles and let's look at ultimately demand for them. There's range anxiety, but there's also economic factors at play at the moment, Marcus. You were perhaps ahead of what we're seeing on today with Tesla. Tesla cutting its overall supply to China. You had to do that back in November. What does demand look like for you globally? And in specific, what does it look like in China? 
Well, uh, if I look at the global markets, there's a high increase uh, and adoption of Mercedes-Benz uh, EV vehicles. So the uh, pace we are introducing and the growth rate we are having is more than 100% looking at the first nine months of 2022. So customers accepting our vehicles. Uh, so the introduction is just in full swing. So we are in the market with eight electric vehicles, which is probably the most comprehensive portfolio of EVs in the market. And the first cars are entering the Chinese market in an interesting segment, the top end segment. Now we just uh, were in the core segment, starting in the core segment. Now we're entering into the top end segment, uh, which is not existing at the moment, yeah. a segment over 1 million RMB, which is a 150,000 US dollars. That's an interesting segment. And uh, now the first offering is there from Mercedes-Benz, the EQS electric S-Class. Interesting. So the ultra luxury sort of price point is still there, Marcus. But what about the middle? And what about pricing pressure there? Well, it's a, it's a market that's not a uh, solid market yet. So there are always new players coming into the market. The ICE market is very well established over a long time. But uh, the EV market is very fragile at the moment. New players coming into. So it's about content, customer acceptance and pricing. And so the market is just getting in a balance at the moment. Were you surprised that you had to cut prices in China in, in November of last year? Was that something that caught you off guard at Mercedes a little bit? Well, as I said, it's, it's, a, new, it's a new bracket that's uh, coming together. So there are new players entering this. So we uh, were in this bracket of 1 million uh, RMB, started there. And uh, we did reposition the price. But still, after repositioning, we are in the top uh, notch bracket uh, still. To us about adoption overall, Marcus. We actually went to our own audience. We asked them in a poll on Twitter, at what point are they going to be getting into the EV space if they're not already? And actually, in large part, 15% said they already owned one, but the majority, 40%, said that they'll be buying one in three years plus. So they still need hearts and minds one. They still need perhaps the infrastructure that you're building out. But what also about do you need to meet from a supply side right now? Have you got the right talent? Have you got the right software technicians at the moment? Are you managing to avoid any supply side problems coming down the pike? Well, I think there are, there are lots of challenges starting from raw material uh, through battery assembly plants. Uh, but we're attacking all these elements in a really 360 degree approach. So we're taking care about raw materials. So we're changing our sourcing activities, really taking care about raw materials, talking to mining companies, having offtake agreements, establishing our own or joint venture cell factories, our battery assembly plants, and converting all production and uh, global assembly plants uh, worldwide. So we are in the midst of uh, completing basically this, um, this really 360 degree approach here. And the one missing point was the charging infrastructure. Yeah. So now you have it all, starting from raw materials uh, up to charging, really in a comprehensive 360 degree approach. That was a big commitment on charging. Uh, software. I want to talk to you about Formula One, but we, we can't. Not today. Yes, Another yeah, time, yeah. Formula One. But talk to me about software. It's competitive on the hiring side. You look at some of your peers, VW had some challenges with software. Do you feel happy with where you are with talent, with the timelines for development, for the platforms that are in works? Talk to me about software. 
Well, we are absolutely happy. So we just completed hiring of 3,000 additional software engineers. Wow. And actually, uh, the company is very attractive. And so we had really no issue attractive uh, talent, the best talent on the software side. So right now we're establishing our own operating system, MBOS, we call it. It's a chip to cloud uh, software yes, stack, and actually. And it's on track. So we're going to market in 25, actually. And even in the next E-Class coming out this year, you will have the first glimpse of how this operating system will look like. So there's great software talent on board. And as we were able to uh, show here, at CES, already the first idea what yes. this software will deliver in terms of performance. I've got to ask you about autonomy. Level three, yeah. you've received the permit for Nevada. Uh, yes. I'm right saying California maybe this year. Do you think that that will happen? Oh, we are actually really, really hopeful that that's going to happen uh, soon, actually. So the DMV of Nevada approved our application. That's a great step moving from level two to level three. Uh, we call it the moon landing. So first time, really, that responsibility uh, is taken over by the vehicle itself, not by the driver anymore. No hands. And this, no hands uh, and no eyes on the road anymore. But still, of course, safety is a key element for us as Mercedes-Benz. Marcus Schaefer, it's been so great speaking to you. Mercedes-Benz Chief Technology Officer. Stay well, enjoy the rest of CES. Interesting, we'll be speaking much more with Qualcomm about autonomous driving and the technology behind it. So movement when it comes to FTX. Bahamian and US officials overseeing the bankruptcy of the crypto empire have actually struck a deal. They're going to work together. They're going to end most of their legal disputes. Now, this comes at a time while the ripple effects of FTX are going far and wide. We've got to focus in on Silvergate, the key lender to many crypto firms. It too continues to plummet. Let's talk about the share slide, about the implications of Blumozuchi Yang. Following the FTX implosion and the contagion effects, Silvergate, such an important player when it comes to the crypto ecosystem and basically saw a run on the bank, but for quite different reasons than we usually expect for a run on a bank. Yes, so Silvergate is really one of the most important bank in the crypto space because it provides banking services, um, deposit services to companies in the crypto industry, which is historically kind of cut off from the rest of the banking system. And Silvergate really made a name for themselves as being this very uh, essential provider of banking services to crypto players and it benefited over the years when the crypto market was in a bull run but now as we know one of their biggest uh, client was FTX which is in trouble and then their other depositors who are mostly concentrated in the crypto industry are also pulling out assets and uh, deposits from the bank and hence we saw this run of a bank uh, for Silvergate which is very different from the other run of banks um, that we've seen historically during the, the, the Great Depression for example. What's extraordinary is that it survived it. It survived an 80 billion drawdown, a 70% basically pull down on deposits. What it isn't surviving so much is investors' confidence. In particular, Kathy Wood, well known for buying the dip, has not bought the dip on Silvergate. In fact, they sold out almost entirety of their stake. What, what's investor sentiment like around this name? Um, the investors still have great doubts about the future of the company. I think Silvergate is a really unique name in the market in the sense that 
is really doubling down on crypto. There are other uh, banks that are friendly with crypto, for example, Signature Bank, that are starting to scale back their exposure to the crypto industry. But for Silvergate, they talk about how they're still deeply committed to serving the crypto clients. And that, of course, introduced great uncertainty uh, for its future because there's all the regulatory overhand and there's also the, the, the market conditions that's not looking good for crypto. And therefore, analysts are worrying that the, the run of the bank will still continue uh, for Silvergate. Hey, Yuki, I read your story yesterday about the worst case scenario. Are we at a worst case scenario with all this crypto concern? Um, sadly, um, I think there's still significant concerns in the industry um, for some of the remaining big players. Um, this week, for example, Genesis, we saw further layoff of, uh, for the company, and then uh, we're still looking for more updates from both Genesis and the parent company, DCG, and they're both just big, important players that in the crypto industry that historically played an important role building up the industry for others. So um, there's more to see uh, for sure besides uh, the, the companies that are already in the bankruptcy court. Yu Jiang has been continuing to follow the fallout. We thank her so much for it from Bloomberg News. Meanwhile, of course, many have sort of rift that you maybe are getting out of crypto and you're going into the new big talked about space, which is AI, artificial intelligence. And there's some latest news on that because we're all talking about ChatGBT and some of the generative AI. But New York City public schools have taken, well, aim at this. They're banning its students from accessing ChatGBT on its networks, on its devices, saying, look, that ChatGBT, which is, of course, an open AI program for generating text, and some speculate could be used to cheat on essays or other assignments. And the public school system is therefore saying, look, they're worried about safety, about accuracy, and actually more about, well, creation, creativity, about intelligence and the way in which ch children, youth build it. And this, of course, was something immediately that people thought about when they started playing with this particular program is that, boy, where's content editing going to go? Where's copywriting going to go? Where is the ability to be able to mark the students' essays? I just find it astonishing how quickly we went from brand new exciting tech to plagiarism and how many column inches already written. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York with Ed Ludlow, who is out in a very busy Las Vegas, Ed. Yeah, there's a lot going on, right? You, you get caught up in the moment here, but you can't ignore what's going on globally. There are macroeconomic concerns, but a report from Bloomberg Intelligence says U.S. machinery 2023 sales and earnings may prove more resilient than previously thought. We've had all kinds of announcements here, and so I'm delighted, Caro, we're joined by Siemens U.S. CEO Barbara Humpton. Barbara, let's start with farming. I didn't expect you, of all people, to come to Las Vegas and talk about vertical farming. Please explain. Well, who knew that uh, actually the agriculture sector is adopting digital in a big way? And today, Siemens and 80 Acres announced our partnership. We've made and it. What is it? What is the partnership? 80 Acres is a vertical farming outfit. Two entrepreneurs in the food industry decided there's got to be a better way to get healthy food to people and eliminate the long logistics supply chains that actually result in less nutrition. What they've discovered is that with vertical farming, they 
they can produce 300 times the produce from a single plot of land than would be possible outdoors. And, and they're using Siemens technology to make that happen. Well, I want to ask you about that technology. You know, when people hear, hear the name Siemens, they think all kinds of things, electronics, industrial equipment, um, healthcare equipment. Which part of your business is it that is making this happen? You know what? This is an all of the above. And we've actually been engaged in so many ways. It was our Siemens Financial Services that first identified the company and made the investment. Then it was our digital industries team bringing the software and hardware to help 80 Acres control their, their growing process. Then we discovered that they needed the help of our smart infrastructure team because the building envelope, actually, they have sustainability goals. So here's a farm that uses 97% water, less water than, than regular farming. And so it's a sustainable solution using all of Siemens. Now, I say it's all of the above because think about healthcare. Do you know food is medicine? And this is a team that is now figuring out how to engineer crops so they can deliver the nutrients we need to actually combat disease. Barbara, it's interesting, at the end of your press release, you then push it forward to the future. You talk about the R&D arm, you talk about Siemens technology, about AI, machine learning, how that's going to optimize plants and the future. In this macro environment, how much is Siemens still willing to be committing capital to R&D, to the future, when we're so worried about the here and now? Oh, no. Siemens has a long history of investment in R&D because we know we can't sacrifice the future. And so what we're doing with 80 Acres is, yes, partnering them on the research and development. The big issue that we're trying to work on now is how to scale. It's one thing to be able to put up a single farm, and they have done so in seven cities around the United States. It's another thing to then make that IP available to others who might want to establish their own farms and then bring that technology into the hands of others who can make use of it. Talk to us about, therefore, ultimately, we, we are a, a world, not just a nation, hit with inflation. We're worried about access to food, particularly when you think of European issues, particularly a war in between Russia and Ukraine, the impact that's had on agriculture more broadly. How are you, as, a, as an executive, as a leader of an enormous business, thinking about the macro headwinds, about inflationary environment, about the labor market? Are you feeling positive or a little bit more worried? Well, of course, we have to be, this, these are grave times, that we have to be very realistic about the situation we're dealing with, but we also have to understand that these moments of disruption give us the best opportunity to shape the future. So what we're doing at Siemens, we are a company with technology that transforms the everyday. We're in the backbone of economies around the world. So what we're doing is working with our customers to make sure that we're helping them meet the needs of their local customers in order to help people get through this and actually thrive. I believe that what we're going to get through this disruption is some new modes, some new business models, some new ways of delivering products and services, I'll say at the edge, uh, where we've been able to bring technology out to Can the rest of the world. a purely mechanical question? Indeed. Are layoffs on a, a reality for a company like you? Not at Siemens. Right now, the situation we're in is that our backlog is huge. I don't know if you've seen the numbers, but in 2022, we had an absolutely stellar year. And so at the moment, we're working hard to meet our customers' existing requirements. In fact, I have open, I have uh, job openings across the U.S., and so I'm hoping that people will come to our website and let us know if they're interested. 
Ed, I do think, though, that overall it's an interesting point you make, asking straight on about jobs. And I'm interested, Barbara, more broadly about your clients. What are your, you said that you're really your focus is to help clients with their own supply chain, keeping things local. Are you feeling your clients are in expansion mode or contraction mode? Well, here in the U.S., Siemens is making expansion plans. You would have seen last year we made uh, the commitment to build EV chargers, a, a million EV chargers over the next four years. And we have new operations going up in Texas, for instance, in addition to what we already had in South Carolina and in uh, California. But in addition to that, we're looking forward to expanding other portions of our operations because, quite frankly, with the investment being made in the American economy right now, right. we see investors well, going big here. On that note, can I ask you about software? You know, you made this kind of software push in the U.S. Uh, I want to know about the success of the Accelerator. I want to know about integration with Brightly. Can you just give us a quick update on that? Absolutely, yeah. The Brightly, how fun. A North Carolina business that's been brought into our smart infrastructure business. And so they now have access to the full portfolio of customers that Siemens has across the country and around the world. Uh, so that integration is going well. We're continuing with additional software investments. We are absolutely Absolutely working closely with the U.S. government because, of course, these deals get a lot of scrutiny these days. But I'm happy to say the U.S. government has been seeing Siemens as a good, responsible owner for these businesses. All right. Well, perhaps more deals to be announced, Caro. Siemens U.S. CEO Barbara Hampton, thank you very much. Now, finally, some good news for the airline industry. Delta is now offering free Wi-Fi for all passengers. Earlier, I spoke with Delta CEO Ed Bastian about the news. This is about giving our customers something that they've been asking for and wondering about for years, why don't they have it? And we also know that there's no place in the world you pay for Wi-Fi except on an airplane, and that we needed to fix that. You and I were here in 2020, and a lot of this is coming full circle, it seems like, yeah. as part of your big tech plan. You are going to have to make further investments, but talk us through those investments, the in-cabin tech that you're going to improve, and is there a dollar value that you can put around all of this? Well, we've invested a bill, over a billion dollars the last few years just to bring the free Wi-Fi to our customers. With Viasat. That, with Viasat that we're launching, because it's not just the, the satellites that you pay for, but it's also the equipment, the routers, the downtime on planes. So it's been a pretty significant technology investment right. in and of its own right. Secondly, we're going to be bringing more than just Wi-Fi. We're going to be, we also introduced Delta Sync, which is going to be a broader entertainment experiential cha channel that when you're on board Delta, we have exclusive partnerships with T-Mobile and American Express and Paramount Plus to bring quality experience that you can only get on Delta aircraft and not on the ground. The other thing that we did, uh, over the last several years, which again, we talked about three years ago at CES, was the airport and ground experience. We have opened the new LAX facility, the new LaGuardia facility, the new Salt Lake City facility, the new Seattle facility, ahead of schedule on all those projects because we put the pedal down during COVID. Once we realized that we were going to be stable and make it through, we accelerated the push to get this work done. And so we're actually a couple steps ahead of where I even thought three years ago we'd be, interestingly. It's kind of a tough one, isn't it, Ed? I don't know if I want to have great Wi-Fi on a flight because I kind of enjoy the whole non-contactable element to all of it. But then when you do need to work, the frustration around paying a whole load of money and it also not really working that efficiently, it's good to see that if someone's trying to get ahead of the curve, it feels as though everyone's going to have to follow suit. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It is the first move, and he promised the speeds will be faster than even in the room he gave the presentation in here at QC, uh, CES. Ed Bastian's a tech-savvy guy, and yeah. I asked him, do you need to hire more tech talent? He was like, nah, I think we've got this. Yeah, they recently did that 60 million funding round for Joby as well, so really trying to double down on yeah. investment in tech. Meanwhile, well, we're going to double down more on your technology information coming from Qualcomm. We're going to talk, well, satellites and chips in that conversation too. Qualcomm CEO, how he navigates what is perhaps some concerns about end demand. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. So earlier we talked about how Samsung posted a historic 69% drop in profit as chip demand drops worldwide. But how are competitors like Qualcomm going to avoid the same fate? Well, luckily... CEO Christian Amon is here with me in Las Vegas. I actually want to kind of start on the news of the day, which kind of answers that question. A deal with Iridium to bring satellite-based messaging technology finally into the real world. I don't mean to cause offense, but we've been waiting for this kind of thing for a long time. Yeah, hello. We're very excited about it. By the way, Ed, good to see you. Happy to be here. 
Uh, we're very excited about this announcement with Iridian, but I think I needed to probably step back and tell what it means. We work with them for over two years to really design this technology that could leverage their satellite network in a regular phone. It's the regular phone form factor, not a specialty satellite device, but that whenever you are in the globe, uh, you have the ability to be connected and send a message to anybody you want. And I think it's about redefining connectivity for Qualcomm Snapdragon to say, you are gonna be connected Period. Well, let me right? ask that. Is, is that it? It stops at the phone, or do you see a business case where you can use satellite connectivity in other forms of devices, electronics? Great question. So the way we're thinking about this, and I think it's the beginning of a new era when satellite communication is going to be added to phones. So the way you think about communications, every phone and every other device have cellular, have Wi-Fi, and now you get ads set come. And we're talking about some very interesting use cases. For example, we're taking this technology as well to laptops. So, a laptop, uh, even if, you, if it needs to send a message to the IT department or vice versa to unlock cars. Think about you have a car and there's an airbag deployment. It's an important message you need to get out. There's an air, airbag deployment. Or how you put pins on a map, how you can uh, lock a, a car, how you can find a car. So, and I think it's just the beginning of a number of applications. I think this sort of sums up your tenure in so many ways, Cristiano. Since 2021, you have come on and you've told investors again and again, we are more than just smartphones. We are more than just laptops. We are about automotives. We're about getting into new types of devices. Is that the answer? How is that currently going to weather what is basically a worry around end demand for things like smartphones? Look, we are very proud of the company diversification strategy. And we said correctly, we were going to see Qualcomm technology in Alto, you see Qualcomm technology in the brother IoT. But when I think about CES, uh, this has been an Alto show for us. We have five uh, major announcements. And I'll start with something which is people didn't expect out of Qualcomm. We unveil a concept car. And people will say, well, Qualcomm, a concept car? And we're basically showing what's possible with this technology. Technology when you think about the car connected to the cloud, the Snapdragon digital cockpit, and ADAS and autonomy. We also announced um, that we have a partnership with Salesforce right. because car companies now, with all of those beautiful screens and all this connectivity to the cloud, are going to be talking to their customers all the time, not only when you go to the dealership. So all of a sudden, you need to do CRM in yeah. the car. We announced that we're in a second generation uh, autonomy chip. We announced that we now have ability to bring ADAS to entry level cars. So we're very proud of all the progress the company is doing in auto. And yet, Cristiano, end demand for cars is under pressure. We see that with Tesla's d d concerns surrounding that business at the moment. We've got concerns around end demand for so many products. Give us your macro perspective, your bird's eye view. When will we start to see a pickup in demand? When are you seeing a weathering of this current economic storm? Okay, I, and that's, that's a very interesting topic of conversation because this is an industry in transformation. So I think there's two aspects. One aspect is, you know, the macro definitely impact demand. Auto has been more resilient than other consumer sectors like handsets. And the reason is because uh, there was already pent up demand for auto for coming from the supply shortage. Uh, but, you know, like everything is impacted for the macro. But the other aspect is uh, exactly more interesting, which is, 
investors are looking at car companies and asking two questions. Are you electrical? Are you able to electrify? And are you digital? And the digital is a necessity. Car companies are investing in digital very heavily because that's the future of the industry. That's going to define winners and losers. And uh, we see the opportunity for semis in each car to increase faster than growth of the number of cars. I'm going to ask you something about a school of thought that's building. The smartphone boom and bust cycle is dead. We are only driven now by the need to upgrade. As in the boom cycle is dead, I'm sorry. Do you agree with that? It's just upgrades that drive adoption, drive purchasing? Okay, so smartphones is today the world's largest consumer electronic products, right? And actually you can think about computing, mobile computing now happen on a smartphone. Now, everybody in the world, few exceptions, have a smartphone. So it's a very mature market. So it just only grows organically. So it's a market that doesn't grow. So it has been now in all regions basically being driven by upgrades. So while the units are, we still have not recovered from pre-pandemic levels on the total size of the market, but we see an interesting phenomenon. People, when they buy their next smartphone, it is really an upgrade uh, uh, market now, they want a better phone. We saw, for example, with the pandemic, collaboration and productivity came to phones. People doing team calls and right. Zoom calls. They want a better camera, they want a better display. I think that trend will continue. And uh, we just launched 5G, 5G still being deployed. 5G Advance is coming. Uh, yeah. It's gonna be the next big upgrade of 5G and I think that's gonna drive volumes. Cristiano, another trend amid the pandemic, of course, more to the negative rather than the different way in which we use our smartphones was supply chain. That was actually one that you navigated very expertly, if I might say so. But just talk to us about supply chain headaches for you, for Qualcomm, for the industry. Are they in the rear view mirror now? Uh, I, as, as it relates to the supply chain constraint, we are a little bit in the rearview mirror. I think that has been largely resolved. Like, I can say today that we have no shortage on any technology. Other companies still have some shortage. They're, they're going to be doing better as we go to 2023. You're going to see some residual shortage on auto maybe all the way to the end of the year, but mostly behind us. So that's, I think that part is solved. The other exciting part is there's now broader recognition that semiconductors are important. I think important for the digital economy. I think with the supply chain shortage, if there's one positive thing is it was understood the importance of semiconductor companies. And there is this desire now to build capacity in different locations. You see of the United States Chips and Science Act, you see the European Chips Act, and those are actually building capacity in a geographically diversified way. That's in the, we're in the beginning of the phase and that's very good for the industry and for the long term. You have been uh, a regular returnee at CES, even when others have not. You were here last year in person. Can you just give us a sense about what it's been like this week? Have you met with many other CEOs, other executives, business meetings, or was this simply about the product announcements? Very busy. I, you know, I'd say CS is back to its full force. I think, uh, you know, Gary Shapiro did a great job. I think I see most of the companies are back here. He has been very busy, back-to-back uh, -back meetings. I think with other CEOs, with partners. Uh, I think it's an exciting day, and of course, CS has become 
a very important auto show. So automotive companies are here in full force as well. Now, I'm going to hold you to account on something. You've been talking about the pipeline for automotive for a long time. Will we start to see real revenue growth from that automotive business this yes. year? Look, we're, we're very proud of uh, the automotive business. It's a pipeline now in excess of $30 billion. And we did say uh, in our Auto Investor Day back in September, by 2026, uh, that pipeline is going to convert into about $4 billion of revenue in 26, and it's going to be accretive to, Mar to Mars' and QCT. We're going to get to over $9 billion at the end of the decade. I remember you coming on with us after that Auto Investor Day. Keep coming on with us, Qualcomm CEO Cristiano Amon. We look forward to having another conversation. Enjoy the rest of CES. in force. New New Year's sort of easing in, Ed, straight to it in Las Vegas at CES. And it felt busy, but in amidst all the CEO interviews and things you were getting done there, I mean, what was the weirdest stuff you saw? Because there's always something highly ridiculous. That's hard. That is hard. You know what's funny? It's just the people you see walking around wearing kind of weird headsets and you're not quite sure what it is you're looking at. Um, you know, there's also the kind of concepty things. Uh, robot dentists, our extraordinary producer, Marguerite Gallerini, went and got her teeth done by a robot today. You see all the AR, VR headsets. But for me, it's just the footfall. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of exhibitors here and then hundreds of Fortune 500 companies. And you heard it from Cristiano Amon. It seems like CES is back. Back. And, and realistic, pragmatic, like we were just talking, Cristiano, yeah. about 2026 deadlines and about revenue becoming reality. How much does it feel like it's affecting right. us in the here and the now? You, you heard it, right? Sexy realism. That's what Bloomberg <laughs> News called it. It's about being pragmatic and profitable. All of those sort of distant, futuristic concepts are less so. Now it's more about products that can come to market in two, three years. That's particularly true of the automakers. And we heard it from Mercedes, right? This commitment to finish the EV charging network globally by 2024, I think he said, didn't he? Yeah. I, I also asked you a question on our Twitter spaces a little bit earlier, Ed. But like, how diverse does it feel regionally, geographically? kind of people there, women, men, diversity in and of itself. Yes, certainly we have many more women executives on the program leading big tech companies this year. It's diverse on the floor, but also international, right? There's so many big names from Asia here. Then you think about the names missing. Apple is not here. And I always find that fascinating given the focus right now on their business. Yeah, all eyes on Apple is actually one of the best performers in terms of points for the S&P today. So all eyes on next week's stock performance. That does it for this very special edition of Bloomberg Technology from New York, from Las Vegas. Safe trip home, Ed. Have a great weekend. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.